We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's good, everybody? Uh, welcome to, I believe, the 15th installment of the People's Podcast. I am your host, Nick Dayas, at the Lame Shows. You can find me at Veterans Minimum, as we can find everything for the show. My guy joining me, making his debut on the People's Podcast, Tarrant. What up, baby? What's going on, man? I'm excited to be on a People's Podcast. I used to just, you know, listen to these years and years ago as a fan. So, you know. Work towards your dreams, guys, because maybe one day some Greek guy in New York will notice and, and put you on. <laughs> yeah, you trying to make out, bro? I won't say no if this is where you wanted to capitalize on this uh, putting me over like that. <laughs> from from fan to, uh, I guess we could say a little bit of a co-host here. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I like doing these. We get a lot of engagement. People like to chime in. People like to give their thoughts and hear their question. You know, I, I got to say, man, 
but uh, I'd say it was about a year ago. One of my favorite podcasts actually shouted me out for a question that I asked. And also I went to a live podcast and I was able to ask a question and then it made the podcast, which was pretty dope. So like, I kind of, I kind of popped hard for that too, you know? So it's cool. Um, all right. I do want to mention that I got a bunch of questions that had to do with Herbert and Burrow. And it was something that Taryn and I were going to discuss on Monday, but then that episode ran a lot later than usual. So that was the topic. Spoiler, if you guys didn't check out the Monday episode, the topic we wanted to get to, Herbert and Burrow. Now we throw in Tua in the mix, but we haven't seen Tua yet outside of two passes. Taryn, I want to open up this discussion, and we got a bunch of, I'd say we got about four or five questions about Burrow and Herbert. Um, I apologize to all of you who sent those questions if I can't give you an actual shout-out. But, Taryn, let me ask you this, and we could start off with this one. What were, first of all, what were your expectations? Let's start with Burrow coming into this year. Like, how did you feel about Burrow? Um, huge Burrow guy, my number one quarterback in the draft. Um, and it's gone pretty much how I've expected so far. Uh, I figured he'd play well. Um, I figured he'd play pretty well for a rookie even, um, largely due to the age and the, the experience that he's already had. Um, but he's on kind of a shitbag team. So I didn't. I also didn't think he was going to light the world on fire and all of a sudden have a first-year starter like Patrick Mahomes type year. So I'd say it's gone pretty much as expected. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of felt the same way. I I didn't expect it, he is surpassing my expectations from what I expected him coming into the year, and it had a lot to do with the situation that he was dealt in. Sure, it's dope, bro. It's super cool that you're the number one pick, and congrats. But you're also going more times than not, unless there's rare situations where there's a trade-up or, you know, you just get lucky, right? Like you acquire a draft pick from some team and then all of a sudden that draft pick becomes a better pick than you expected. You see it a lot more, Taryn, in the NBA, right? The Golden State Warriors had a down season because their backcourt got hurt. A lot of new guys lost the rant also. And now they got the number two pick in the draft. So... It's cool in the NFL when you're the number one pick, but you're also going to the worst situation in the league. And that's what I thought the premise of Joe Burrow and what his expectations were. I will also will say that, and I think there was some rationale to it and it made sense. I was hesitant to crown him as the number one pick in this sure thing that people were starting to hype him up about because, dude, let's face it, man. How many guys did LSU put in the draft? Both sides of the ball. Was there like seven first-round picks? I mean, off the top of my head, you had Justin Jefferson, CEH, Patrick Queen, and I know I'm missing someone, but you know that's just first-round picks. That's not accounting for the first-round picks that they have on the team this year, and I know they've started off a little shaky and they're not as good as they were last year, well, shit, that's what happens when you, you get all these draft picks to go into the draft. The kid, the kid that Cleveland took who tore his Achilles, Del Pitt, the safety. So 
that's where I was with Burrow coming in. And he's pretty much playing with a – he has some weapons that are interesting, like T. Higgins is becoming a problem. Tyler Boyd is, is a problem. Mixon, it's whatever. Uh, I'm not a mixing guy. A.J. Green, I thought he was dust, and now he's leading the team in targets the last two weeks. So that's how I felt about Joe Burrow. I will say that I watched a lot of Justin Herbert because I wanted Justin Herbert really bad when the Giants took Daniel Jones. Remember, Justin Herbert elected to go back to college. There's some reports that his brother was going to Oregon and he wanted to play with his brother. So I was high on Herbert because I also got to watch him, right? Like I'm watching a lot of Clemson, a lot of Trevor Lawrence, now I'm watching some Justin Fields because the Giants are in contention for a top three draft pick. So I was very high on Herbert. I didn't expect this, right? But I like what I see from both guys. I am leaning more towards Herbert. Same question that I asked you before. What were your expectations about Herbert coming into this year, and where are you at now with how he's been playing? Um, I was lower on Herbert than than you were. He was really like a, in the whole draft like community, um, analyzing the prospects and whatnot. Very polarizing. Usually, it was like definitely a top five worthy pick or on the other end of the spectrum, like not even a first rounder. I was more towards the latter end of that spectrum. Um, I wasn't, I didn't think he was worthy of a first round pick. I thought he was more of a developmental guy. And uh, that's not what he's shown though, since I've been very impressed. That's kind of how I would say, Um, obviously given what I just said of, you know, how I evaluated him coming out. It's This is not what I was expecting. Where Burroughs, this seems a little bit chalk to me, how I would have guessed it was going to go. He has definitely exceeded my expectations so far. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think he also exceeded the expectations for the Chargers who wanted him to be just a one or two game guy. And then eventually they were just like, yeah, you know what, Tyrod, look, I know it's crazy what went down, but we can't go back to you, bro. We can't go back to you. And I remember I made a joke saying how you should go bet Anthony Lynn to be the first coach fired after Herbert did what he did against the Chiefs and then that week after. And he said that, oh, you know what? Let's maybe consider Tyrod Taylor. It's like, what? How can you see that guy? How can you see Herbert being thrown in? And I was watching him on Colin Cowherd's show. He was being interviewed. And he said, like, dude, I had no idea. I was just hyping up the offense. And then they're like, yo, you're starting. They're like, He's like, for real? He's like, yeah, you're starting. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm going up against Pat Mahomes in my first start. And you know what, Taryn? This is why I still have a soft spot for Jared Goff. It's, and it's not a comparison between the two. It's, it's the comparison that I'm about to make is for the situation. Bro, I saw Goff go toe-to-toe with Breeze and with Mahomes on Monday Night Football. And it's like, that's the kind of quarterback that I want, right? I always would use your guy, Rodgers, in this comparison with Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins. It's like, yo, it's dope when you have Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill. Maybe not Ryan Tannehill now, but like Miami Ryan Tannehill. It's cool. It's solid. You know, it's, you have some stability there until you play a big dog. 
until daddy steps on the field and it's like, yo, you know what? There's levels to this shit. <laughs> and you would see it all the time. So Herbert, to me, looks the part, acts the part, and I think he is the part. I like it. Um, if So, like, I, just, I guess I'll just put it this way. Like, if you had a team, all, thing, all other things equal, which of these two guys would you rather have? So, hmm. Wow, that's a great question. They're both pretty mobile. They both could they're, – they're, they're not statues, which I like, number one. Number two, I would say Herbert has the stronger of the two arm. They have, he has a strong – wow, that was a terrible sentence. He has the stronger arm of the two. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, would you agree? Oh, yeah, by a mile. He's got cancer. Yeah, and then I would say Burrow seems to be more accurate. Though he like Herbert is throwing bombs downfield, and outside of Keenan Allen, bro, I would say that the Bengals have more talented offensive pieces. Really? Yeah, I would say I would think so. Higgins, um, AJ Green the last two weeks, uh, Boyd, right? But I'm kind of scratching off Boyd and Allen, and not not that they're the same. I would give obviously significant boost to Allen, but. You know, Mike Williams hasn't really been there week in, week out. Hunter Henry is really touchdown or bust, and he's a say he's a top seven to eight tight end in the league. Who would I rather have? I think I'd rather have Herbert. It's kind of what I guessed you would say. I if I got asked this question like six weeks ago, I would probably laugh at whoever asked, to be fair. And I would say Burrow, and like you're a little bit wild if you say otherwise. Now it's like it's not even a you know an opinion that I can hate you for anymore. Um, I I still think Eileen Burrow. I fall on the other side of that, just because I try to like you know go back to things that have proven predictive for me in the past, like like sample size, for example. There's more. I've seen more from Burrow, including college, that I like over Herbert so far. And also, there's like a couple things when you dive deep into the numbers, if you want to go to the nerd side of it. Yeah, let's do it. This is what I pay you for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Pay me. Pay me in compliments. Herbert is, is very good at a few things that are typically really unstable. Um, plays on third down. Pass rating under pressure, really deep passes. And he's been very good at all those, but they are unstable. Um, 2017, Carson Wentz, the MVP, you know, almost Carson Wentz. It was the same kind of thing. When he was on that run, those were a lot of the numbers that he was just absolutely blowing it out of the water, which is why some of the, the analytics guys weren't quite as high. Um, also, he looks – he reminds me a little bit of, like, like Baker's rookie season where, you know, it, it looked like to the eye test, which does have value, that he was lighting the world on fire a little bit. But it was the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, maybe you're not expecting it, a lot of uh, unstable metrics there. 
and I just I worry that we're gonna he's gonna hit a regression wall all of a sudden. Um, now maybe he ends up being like Matt Stafford or something because like that's a similar sort of play style I see like uncorking it down the field. He's looked even better than than Matt Stafford as of late doing that kind of thing. But that's like the good high variance stuff. That, that the good side of that spectrum would be like a Matt Stafford. And, and that'd be great if he ends up being something like that, but I haven't seen enough yet. And I'd like to see some of these numbers be maintained um, through a higher sample size. And the other reason is even though you've, you've swung me a little bit now that I think about it, I still think I'd give the chargers the better weapons, but I used to think it was like a mile and then kind of listening to you talk. I was like, you know what? The Bengals have some pieces, but I still think that his weapons are a little bit better. I think his offensive line is better. I think his coach is probably better, even though he seemed like a bonehead for considering starting Tyrod Taylor. So I'm, I'm not ready to make the, the switch yet. I'm looking up. Do you know how many times Joe Burrow has been sacked this year? Uh, no, not off the top of my head, actually. 28. It's tied with Carson Wentz. It's, uh, that's a lot, man. Mm. That's a lot. Your guy gets beat up. Your guy gets in trouble. And it's something that you shouldn't, you shouldn't put him in harm's way. They're also throwing a lot, too. Right. So because they're in these deficits and they're in these situations where game script, they fall from behind and they got to throw. So it's concerning. You don't want just because he's a young guy, you don't want him taking that beating. Right. Ask Colts fans this. Ask Texans fans. Dude, I'm telling you, Texans, my number one, my number one player to retire next out of nowhere. Deshaun Watson. Watson. Just dudes like Watson sacked 22 times this year. It's just, this guy gets beat up. Eventually, it could take a toll on you. So, what do you think of this idea? Tua, Burrow, Herbert. It's been a while since we've had quarterbacks that good, same class, right? I've seen some comparisons of Eli, Rivers, and Ben. That's high praise, man. That's that's four Super Bowls from that bunch. Yeah, That's three, not first ballot Hall of Famers, but that's... I'll, I think it's fair to say that's three Hall of Famers there. Eventually. You know, like you can't uh, – and, and you know, one day I aspire to be able to get a, a Hall of Fame vote or an MVP vote. That's like one thing I would think would be really cool because, like, I'm a sucker for all NBA teams, uh, all pro teams. I think those are good indicators for, like – like, dude, if – if you wanted to go, like you're a football junkie, or if anyone listening to this is a football junkie, you want to go see who the best player was in 1983, you go look at like who was on the all pro team. That's going to tell you like, yo, those are, all right, that guy was the best wide receiver. This guy was the best left tackle. And then that's how you could build a resume and build a case. So that is high praise considering we haven't even seen one guy start and they probably have combined 14 starts between the three of them. But I can see why people are saying that. And from what you've seen with Burrow and Herbert, I think it's, you know, the sky's the limit for these guys. Give me, give me real quick before we end up on, and off this topic and get into some of these questions. Um, give me comparisons that you have for each 
Like when you see Burrow, who do you think of? Ooh. I have one. Same um, number. Same number. Who's yours? Because now I'm just stuck to trying to guess who yours is. Tony Romo. Uh, I, I've, I think I've seen that. It might have been you if that's something you've thought for a while, but I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. It's a good one. I, I've, I had heard it from someone, and then I started seeing it myself. The one that I said first, and I wish I was more popping, bro, was Mahomes and Curry. I said that like after week three of the MVP season for Mahomes. And then, yo, someone, someone got note of it, bro, because then, then it started just popping <laughs> up. So I'm taking full responsibility for that comparison. The Romo one, I'll give it to you. But he just he reminds me of Romo a lot, the way he moves around in the pocket, some of the throws he makes. And then Herbert, I think Herbert is a more athletic Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Like, I would have... I would have given the Matthew Stafford one to him for sure as well. All right. Let's get into some of these questions here. Hold on so, real quick, real quick before we move on. Cause I'm just curious. Okay. What do you, what, I don't think I remember. What are your thoughts on Tua? I know we haven't seen him, like you said, really. So it's pretty much only our, what we saw in college, but cause I know you were a Herbert guy. Yeah. But. No, I liked I liked Tua. I, I think Tua would have been the number one pick in the draft had he not gotten hurt. I remember the whole Miami Dolphins campaign last year, which, ironically enough, they ended up getting the guy that they were tanking for, right? It was tank for Tua, tank for Tua. That was a big yeah. – the, the praises for the 305 down there in Miami. And then they get their guy. So I'm always hesitant, bro. And the reason, another reason why I was so skeptical of Joe Burrow was – I'm not a fan of those one-hit wonder quarterbacks in college. I'm just not because I've seen it before. I've seen it in my hometown. Like Mark Sanchez had that phenomenal last year at USC, and then he comes here, and it's like it, it just didn't add up. And those one-hit wonders, those, those out-of-nowhere guys, I'm always a little hesitant. You know, it has panned out in the past too. But, you know, Herbert, you have a three-year sample size at Oregon completely different Tua, you saw him come in as a freshman in the, in the national championship game and win it first start going up against georgia it's like what national championship this is my first start and then you look at jalen hurts he ends up going to oklahoma that's a guy who was a heisman finalist so he ended up taking the job from him which led to him transferring and you saw enough with him. And also, you look at the history of Alabama quarterbacks. For him to be praised this highly from people who I respect in this industry and in this sport, that's how I felt about Tua. Yeah, pretty much in the same boat. He at least would have been my number one QB if it wasn't for that injury. Like He was balling out pretty much – just like Joe Burrow was, except that, you know, it's maybe not as exciting of a story or whatever, but he also did the same thing the year before. And like you said, came in as a freshman in the national championship. So I agree this draft class, the way it's looking to me, I could see it being a similar situation to the three quarterbacks. Um, the, the golf went Dak, how they're always compared. And like, it could take a while before we really know, like, who's who and who's the best pick was and you know what team got the best guy we're like those guys for like every single different year it feels like another one of them looks like the best quarterback you know it's Wentz 
And then, oh, it's Goff when they go to the Super Bowl. And then it's now it's Dak, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. I could see a similar scenario here for the next few years for these three guys. All right. Let's take a break for an ad while we're here, and then we'll bang out at least – let's get to at least six questions for the People's Podcast. So this one comes in from da, 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 Bet Online. Yes. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. If you get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And while we're here, let's get this one out the way too, Taryn. Um, indeed, indeed, even though sports had a break, your businesses didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever before. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And they made sure in this email, Taryn, that the fast is not only bold, but it's slanted. Oof. Must be real fast. That's, that's setting the tone right there. You know what I'm saying? It's that, that's eye contact. Eye contact. I knew you were there coming you with you know, that. You know what I'm saying? We're on the same page <laughs> You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 free credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Taryn, once again, slanted and in bold. Setting the tone, eye contact. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWires. This is their best offer available anywhere. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And folks, that's how you uh, pay the bills. Okay, Taryn. This question right here comes in from Prodigy237 on Twitter. Do you think Tannehill and Henry are the best QB running back duo in the league right now heading into week eight? This, I struggled more with this question than I thought because like, it kind of depends on how you look at it. Like, like, what are you asking? I, I'm such a geek. Like, I have a hard time putting weight into into the running back position. So, are we just looking at it like, yo, you rank your QBs, you rank your running backs. You know, who are the highest two of each of those numbers on your rankings, regardless of like value? Is that like how you would interpret this, probably? Or are you saying like, you know what I mean? No, I hear you. I, 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 I didn't think of it that way, but. I like the way you interpret that. I feel like that's the way you should. And again, right. I, I would say that that's all subjective to what you think. Because you might have Henry higher than I do, mm-hmm. and then I might have Tannehill higher than you do. So 
I think that's fair. I, when I saw this question and shouts to prodigy for sending that question, I saw it as the pairing together, how they mesh and how productive they are. Mm -hmm. And to that, I think it's Rogers and Aaron Jones. So that's my answer. I know Jones hasn't really played every single game and he's, you know, they've, they've sort of rested him in certain spots. Like there was that spot against the Falcons where I know a lot of people, my buddy Ralph is in our yearly league. He has Aaron Jones and poor guy. He's like fourth in points four and he's like two and five. He's miserable, but he's like, yo, what the fuck? Why is Aaron Jones on the sideline? It's like, dude, you know, Jamal Williams always plays over him in the two minute offense. And it just so happened that he was, it was his, you know, they sort of do every two drives. Jones will sit one drive and then it'll be like the Jamal Williams. And it just so happened that it kind of overlapped, right? Jamal Williams was in on that, you know, it was his turn to get the, his touches and his, his snap count. And then there was a turnover and then they're, they're in the two minute drill. And it's like, he just doubled up. So that's why at the end of that first half, Taryn, and I, I know you as a Packer fan, you were watching this closely. You're like, yo, what, what the fuck happened to Aaron Jones? I know I went to Twitter and I'm like, yo, is he hurt? Is he hurt? Mm-hmm. Coolest thing about Twitter, bro, when you're watching a game and you don't know where a player went, you get it before Michelle Tafoya could come up on the screen. Yeah, so to answer the initial question, I would go with Rodgers and Aaron Jones, the Aaron boys. But I don't think Henry and Tannehill like, are outside of my top five. Hmm. I'm not going to list the five, but it just like yeah. off the top, I, I feel like they, they're in that top five. Where, where would you say? Yeah, I think they're in there. The funny thing about this, so now even after hearing you talk about it, that's like, I think depending on how you look at this question, I have legitimately like three different answers. The way that you interpreted it, I would agree it's either, it's either Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones or, or Breeze Camara just because, like, for going off of how they mesh, that whole offense, I feel like now is, okay, I'm going to give – I'm going to pass this to you behind the line of scrimmage and please make something happen because that's about all we got. And they work really well together, their play styles, and he's really important. But I think if I was just, like, the way I, I had originally said I would interpret it, if I'm just ranking each of these positions and then, like, taking the average, the number – probably I think Tanhill Henry would end up being my number one because Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones would be close, but otherwise like who else do you look at Mahomes and CEH obviously Mahomes is higher than Tanhill, but I think just from a numbers gap, that gap is smaller than Henry to CEH sort of thing. So if you really take in both positions without actually like weighting the QB higher, I, I think I'd probably put Tanhill Henry number one, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with you on that. Yeah, the combination of both is how you would have to rank it. Um, okay, this question comes in from D. Gibb, my guy DG. What would be your next stadium to visit or watch a game in if you could pick one post-quarantine, any sport? It's a hell of a question. Well, I mean, football is my thing, so it's good. It's gonna be 
you know, a football stadium. And one of my bucket list items actually is to visit every stadium before I die. And just off the top of my head, Fox don't go Bro. to Washington, by the way. It sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> Dude, I went to, we went to Washington, Cleveland, bro, a couple uh-huh. years ago when RG3 got traded or signed with the Cleveland Browns. And it was like a week three game. I remember um, Terrell Pryor went off against Washington. I'm not exaggerating, bro. Not exaggerating one bit. You know how, like, Hey Arnold, did, were you a Hey Arnold guy? I was not a Hey Arnold guy. All right, first of all, that's terrible. That's the greatest part. I knew that was coming. That's crazy. Number two, there's an episode in Hey Arnold where he goes to a baseball game, and his seat is right behind the pillar. Mm -hmm. There were seats like that. I think I've heard, yeah, I think I've heard you talk about this. And me and Ahmed had seats that were behind that pillar because we're like, yo, lower lower level seats for $30? (laughs) Got to get them. And then luckily the stadium didn't sell out. And we kind of just like were able to maneuver our way and sat next to Josh. But yeah, uh, make it 31 of 32 stadiums. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't that one. Oh, maybe just for the, just for the laughs. Cause it's, you know, they're named the football team. I'll still keep that one on there just to tie the whole vibe together of that organization. But I think uh, just off the top of my head, like Foxborough right away. Um just because I've always been a Patriots guy, being a football fan, like respecting what they've done, whether it's Belichick, Tom Brady, and all of that, that one's up there. Um, and then MetLife is also up there for me, just because I know, but still, I mean, there's history there. You know there. what it's I hate about MetLife, bro? MetLife was being built at the same time that Jerry World was being built. That would be my choice. I want to go there. One. I want to go to... I'm a, I'm a moron. The Vegas Vegas Stadium. I mean, for other reasons also, let's be right. honest. Yeah. But, you know, SoCal, that new stadium that the Rams and Chargers are playing in, like those are bro, those are like ninth wonders of the world. Those shits yeah. are crazy. And Jerry World was like, cost I think the same amount of money as MetLife did. And MetLife is the most generic <laughs> franchise starting in Madden Stadium ever, bro. It is mad vanilla. It is missionary sex only. It sucks. It's the worst. I hate every second of it. I hate going there. It's just like there's nothing cool about it, like at all. You know, like every stadium has something that it's known for. You know what I'm saying? Like Arizona, their turf is not turf, first of all. It's grass that gets rolled into the stadium. Did you know that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually like have it outside and it's watered and it's in the sun and shit. And then they, they roll it in. Right, like Tampa Bay, they got the pirate ship. Um, that one's up there for me too because I've I've loved Tampa Bay since I was a kid. Heinz Field has that opening in the one end zone where you can see the whole city of Pittsburgh. Like that's like cool. MetLife is oh, so mine would definitely not be MetLife. And (laughs) and again, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say your team, and I'm not just saying it because you're on. Because I, you know, I picked Rodgers and Jones as the best one too, in my opinion. I think if you're a football fan and you don't say Lambo, that gotta be it. Or like, also, I want to go to a night game in LSU when LSU is like good, mm-hmm. like a like a Saturday night prime time game day. I think that'd be popping. Would be really cool. Yeah, Lambo. I I agree. If you're unless you're like a Bears fan and you're you're biased or something, that's it's a 
a sight to see. I've been to a few and like, obviously I'm a Becker fan, but there's, there's nothing quite like it. I feel like a moron now that you said Jerry world, because I was like, wow, that's probably also my number one. Because I remember when I went to the combine two years ago and seeing Lucas oil and I was like, this place is amazing. And Jerry's world would just be like that on steroids. So I, you got me with that one. I, you've swung me. Yeah, I've been to I went to Lucas Oil for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46. That was really cool. Um yeah, good times, good day. Uh all right. Next question comes from Let's go with Maldo, man. Let's go with Maldo, the guy Maldo. Who's a current below 500 team that's way better than their record is? So, I'll just list you a couple. I'll list you all of them. Um, Panthers, Eagles, Broncos, Chargers, Patriots, Cowboys, Washington, Bengals, Vikings, Atlanta, Houston, Jaguars, both New York teams. And the question was, did it, did it include way better than their record? Is that what I heard? Uh, or did it say I just better than their record? That's way better, yeah. <laughs> way better than their record. If that's too difficult for you, you I go like the best team with a negative record, in my opinion, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um. Well, no, not all of which. All of which, by the way, all have negative point differentials. Every single one of them. That's why I think it's hard because I I genuinely think all the teams with a negative record this year are deserving of it so far. Maybe. Probably the Chargers. Okay, I don't dislike it. I was going to say Atlanta. Really? <laughs> well, Atlanta has lost, what, four games in the most outrageous, you know, 1% chance of losing scenarios. Atlanta could really be 5-2. and two. Yeah. Should be at worst above 500. And to be 1-6 and six is just brutal. So I would say Atlanta. I agree. I, I thought of them first, but it's like there comes to a point where it's like, what? when do we go from, wow, this is just like unlucky and wild scenario to something's off, whether it's culture, coaching, that this many bunglings of games can happen in a row, you know? So that scares me off of them. The reason I said the Chargers is because they might not even be um, below 500 if Herbert started every game so far. So, like, that leans me towards them. Maybe. I mean, you never know. But most of them are, are pretty bad, I think. <laughs> Next question comes from Sean Rush. He asks, who do you think is the most complete team in the NFL right now? Offense, defense, and special teams included. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be mine. Huh. Yeah, it's hard to argue that one. I'm going to go Dude. with a little bit of a homer pick. Oh, your Steelers, maybe? My Steelers. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm go- listen, I'm going with it. I need, I need something yeah. to root for. Yeah. 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I'm thinking of maybe throwing a little nice little Benjamin so I can have some action. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I would say Pittsburgh. Okay. Defense, both. I think, yo, you know what? Now that I think of it, 
that would be a really interesting Super Bowl matchup. And kind of looking at the same teams, right? Would you say? I, I see where where that's coming from. There's like I think just the way that the offense works. Uh, you know what? Yeah, actually, man, they're very very similar. I would say I would say Tampa Bay now with a oh wow a b revenge too going up against Pitt right that'd be a storyline for yeah. two weeks in Oof. the Super Bowl. Whew. Yo, think about it. They. I would say the Bucks have the better defense. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I would say the Bucks have the better offense. Especially with AB coming in now. I would say Pittsburgh has the better defense. And it's probably a tie in special teams. So I think those that would be the team that I would say is the most complete. Pittsburgh for me and Tampa Bay for you. Yeah, I... I see that. I think what gives me the edge on the on the Bucks is, I think Pittsburgh's defense probably is a little bit better, but I think the Bucks would have an easier time with some of the powerhouse teams because of the way that their defense gets things done. I think they're better from a coverage standpoint, and Pittsburgh's better from a pass rush standpoint. So, like. I think the Buccaneers on defense have an easier time against the Chiefs, for example. You know, that's the like the offense you would use as the as the gold standard. Um, but otherwise, like I, I agree, Pittsburgh might be a little bit different. I just like the areas where the Bucks are strong, and then special teams probably a wash. Bucks offense a little bit better. That would be a hell of a matchup. Also, wouldn't be surprised if it was the matchup like at all. If you told me today, like someone came back from the future and they're like, "Hey, it's it's Bucks Steelers," I'd be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Man, my um, my head spinning now. I want to go see what kind of odds I could get for this to be the matchup. That's one of my favorite bets to make, dude. Super Bowl matchup prop, meaning who's going to be the finalist. Doesn't matter who wins, but like who's going to be the finalist, and you could always find some. You could find some good numbers on that. That that could be anywhere from like twenty five to thirty five to one. You know, one dollar wins you thirty five bucks. That's a hell of a payout on something like that. Um, okay. Next question comes from Bernsey. If you had, if you had to, we're told. Wow, and my English is bad. You think? Look at this spot, like Bernsey. What the fuck? What is this? I'm pretty sure he's a Bears fan. It makes sense. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, you watch Trubisky all these years, and you get rattled. <laughs> Basically, what he's asking, Taryn, is you can only pick three sports to watch for the rest of your life. Which ones are you picking? And you can't watch any other sports. You are completely blinded to it. I have, I have one question before I answer. It's, it's sports, right, not leagues. So, like, I'm obviously going to say football. I don't think that's a spoiler. Does that include college football and the NFL? Is that how we're doing this, or are we um, doing, like, leagues? Ba- based on this question, I think he wants to say leagues. Yeah, that's probably, that's kind of what I figured as well. Um, But you could go with sport. Sport makes it a little bit – it makes it easier for me because football, number one, that's easy. Um, The other two I would probably do, I guess – 
MMA because it would if we're doing actual sport, and I could watch the UFC, and then basketball. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, basketball. I almost threw hockey in there just now. I almost replaced it. I have been really into hockey lately, and I think part of the problem is so many of our the VM fans from from Canada. Mm. They're all talking about it all the time, and it's interesting and it's fun to watch. So, I. Oh man, and then there's some. That's a hard ass question, dude. I will that say that the Discord, the VM, the VM Discord, the hockey one is always pumping the most. It's oh, always yeah. the craziest one. Um, okay, for me, it would be NFL. I could do without college. I could do without college football. Uh, coming from a dude who was born and raised in New York City should be totally understandable that that's the case <laughs> with no college sports team around and going to a division three school. Uh, I'd say NFL, definitely MMA. Like MMA has become, dude, it's become my favorite sport to go watch in person. The event, a, a UFC card. I can't recommend this enough. It's, you're going to pay like two, 300 bucks for a seat, but you're going to be there six hours, bro. Yep. And it is a, it, it's a festival. Like it's, it's dope. I was talking to one of my friends cause I, I do jujitsu with her and she's like, yo, I've never been to an MMA card. I was like, yo, you should go with your brother. Cause her brother trains with us also. I was like, yo, you should go and you're going to be there for five, six hours. You need to go use the bathroom. You don't need to like, oh my God, I'm going to miss something. They space it out enough time. Even if there's a knockout, you want to go get something to eat. Want to go get a beer whatever concessions you have time it's like chill it's dope I, I love it so i would say mma football and then I, i'd have to go with soccer yeah soccer is my first love football is my main bitch <laughs> <laughs> yo s- since you mentioned that somehow some way w- i think an idea is whenever we finally link up we got to go to a card because that's one of the reasons i haven't gone aside from living in wisconsin I don't have a single person around me that's an MMA fan. So I'd be paying that to go by myself, which wouldn't be the end of the world, but it's, you know, a different experience if you're going with at least one guy, you know, versus going alone or something like that. Nah, I feel you, man. I feel you for sure. My, uh, my friends and I, we go to, we go to all the cards that are in the tri-state area. We even went to Boston. That's not really tri-state, but like if it's, if it's within three hours, we, we go, uh, I went to Rochester last march or april it was in the springtime but yeah it's dope man I, I can't recommend it enough that and hockey might be my two favorite sports to go watch in person love hockey in person tv it could be a little you know it could be a little rough but in person it's it's my favorite all right let's get to two more questions um This one comes from rushing 2121. How do you deal with the negativity day to day? Assuming people are negative towards you and continue to stay motivated. And then he also said to push out great content. So you can answer this question too. What's, what's something that what's like a, what's like a, a thing that you do to deal with negativity? Um, 
I probably don't have as much to deal with in that regard as you do. But, you know, anytime you're in some sort of like industry where there's you're throwing out your opinions, it happens uh, like on, on Twitter, you know, is a big one. That sort of stuff happens all the time. I think just having some some self-awareness, um, like if you have a really good idea of, of who you are and and understanding that what these people, whoever they are, usually just, you know, no profile picture people on Twitter. Um, whatever they say or think about you is not actually who you are. That'd probably be the number one thing on top of surrounding people, surrounding yourself with, with people that are, you know, they're actually in your corner. It, that helps as well. You know, that'll shoot straight. You know, they don't just gas you up and then talk badly behind your back, but they're supporters of yours. Those would be my two things. Well, I don't, I don't think that you, the dealing with negative negativity, I think that just comes regardless of what you're doing. Right. Um, sure. When you're in the public eye or you're, you're trying to build something, there's going to be those hurdles that you have to jump over. But man, I think you hit it on the head. Like there's, there's cons- constructive criticism. And then there's just like, Yo, kill yourself. And it's like, all right, fucking Chad from wherever the fuck. Like, that's not helpful, right? Like, I I completely ignore that. But when someone is like, because, yo, you got to understand something, man. And I'm starting to realize this. My employer is my audience. If my shit is whack, I have no fan base. I have no audience. So this idea that people are like, oh, I don't read comments. I don't do this. I don't engage with people like, ooh, look at me. It's like, nah, man, that, that, those are the people that are paying your bills. Yeah. So that's been a new perspective that I've been able to accept. You've mentioned something in passing about like, yo, if you know who you are and it sounds mad corny and cliche, bro, but it's true. Like I kind of just, if something, if there's negativity around me, I just cut it out completely. Like I don't fuck with certain people. I'm talking about childhood friends the way I used to just cause it's like, yo, the, the, there's just a bad juju. Like you can't explain it, but I'm sure people listening to it right now, like you ever been around someone and it could be family. It could be friends. It could even be your plus one. It's like, yo, you're around that person and you just feel like heavy. You feel like there's just some weird, it's just funky. And it's just like the energy is just off. It's like, bro, cut that shit out. It's going to be hard, but just telling you the ROI long-term, that's where it's at. So that's just two things with me. And and like, yo, honestly, man, social media is, and look, we can't ignore the fact that there's going to be an election next week and it's going to get crazy on there. I already have a video prepared. Oh, yeah. That's going to be like, yo, I'm out for like six days. I ain't posting <laughs> shit. People are going to fucking go wild. And who am I to tell people how to react? Do your thing. Go nuts. But I'm just going to be off it. So like taking a step back and escaping the situation, I think that's a good way to deal with it too. So, and as far as staying motivated to answer your question, rushing, I really don't want to work, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I work harder on, on the podcast and the editing and stuff, but I 
fucking love doing it. So that when I say that, I don't mean work, but I've been up since 2.45 in the morning. I'm going to take a nap immediately after I hang up on Taryn on the Zoom call, and I'm waking up at 3.30 to continue the rest of my day. So I don't want to do that anymore. So that's how I stay motivated. Um, all right. Let's get, to, uh, let's get to one more question. I'm trying to look at ones on Discord. Um, all right, let's do two questions. One's going to be, a, I guess, a personal one, and then the other one is going to be a, a sports one. Um, man. I don't want to do any NBA. Sorry, Rune. Kind of want to stick to football. Um, all right. What do you think is the main thing a team has to do to build a contender starting from a rebuild in the NFL? This question comes from Drizzy. Shouts to my guy, Drizzy, Twitch gang. What would you say is the main thing a team has to do? Um, we better have the same answer here, first of all. But find the quarterback. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, good. You know, that's all the, right. That should be the only answer. Yeah. Anything right. other than that is just getting too cute. Yeah, it's just a little ridiculous, to be honest. It's the most valuable position in sports, as one Nick the Lamb has said many times before. Yeah, man. And look, it's you. You don't know what it's like to have one until you have one. I mean, two back to back, <laughs> right? You've had Brett Favre and then Rogers with like a couple of sprinkles of like these morons stepping in because of injury, but primarily for 30 years, you've had two guys. Yep. That's it's out of control to be able to have that kind of luxury. It does a lot for your franchise, but yeah, the main thing in a rebuild is finding a quarterback. I always say this, you find the quarterback, you protect him and you go after theirs. Theirs meaning their quarterback. That's the best way to build a team. But I will say, Taryn, I think the one thing that's changed with me is I'm starting to value outside position players a lot more than I did in the past, whether it's corners or whether it's wide receivers. And it's hard for you to be watching this first two-month stretch of the NFL with some of these young guys getting these stallions on the outside and not realizing how helpful that is. Yeah, um, that's one of the things that I think, and like you said, you're you're coming around, but we obviously have the same, you know, the first point, which is finding the quarterback. I also used to be on the, the other side of that, but lately, like over the last probably two years, I've pretty much hit a full 180. Um, this is not popular amongst football, you know, circles in the mo for the most part. But I would say after the quarterback, like receivers and corners, I'm building from the outside in. And the reason is, I think, because – and this is up for it's – it's a big debate. On both sides of the ball, I think you're – but like I'll just start with offense, for example. I think you're better off with, say, elite wideouts and – or above average wideouts, you know, whatever, good, however you want to say it and an average offensive line than you are with a great offensive line and like average wide receivers. And I look at it the same way on, on the other side of the ball with the corners and the D line. 
I'm not against the logic for it. I think it makes sense. I, I like it. Um, it. It makes a lot of sense, right? Like if you have above average skill players, then you could change your scheme around. You could do a, things to run shorter routes to protect your quarterback from a weak offensive line. So, yeah, to answer the question initially, it's, it's definitely quarterback. All right, last question, and then we'll wrap this one up. Thank you all for sending in your questions. Remember, members of the Discord, you guys get higher priority since you guys are patrons over people on Instagram and on Twitter. I got about one each from Instagram and Twitter, and the rest are coming in from Patreon members. Uh, what's been your biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome during the pandemic? both the lockdown and now where it's still somewhat different depending on where you live and how do you feel you did overcoming it? Ooh, it's a great question. Um, I've been saying for a while for, for me, I think the biggest obstacle has, is going to be a lot different than what most people's are because my life has not really changed. Um, Ever since the beginning, it's my, at my day job, we're considered essential. So I never stopped working and I'm like pretty introverted. Like, dude, I watch a lot of football. I, and some other sports, I play video games, you know, I'm on the war zone grind. Other than that, like, it's, I'm not a big go out party guy. So my life really didn't change that much. So for me, the biggest obstacle is like being, being able to walk in other people's shoes and really, and really understand what was going on. Um, especially for all the different, like now I've got friends from all over the, the place because of how we are online and just being able to understand what they're going through um, to be able to take it seriously. Not that I, didn't take it seriously before, but you know, for a lot of it early in the year when it's like everyone was really struggling, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around when you're, when your life hasn't changed. Like, like mine really didn't much at all. Both my parents were still working. Um, I was still working and everything was pretty much just, just normal. So I would say just being able to, you know, walk in other people's shoes, see, see things from their eyes. Um, cause you need to be able to do that with a lot of things to be, to be empathetic, but it was a little bit harder for me given that I had really no experience with that sort of stuff. That makes sense. If things didn't change for you, then it's hard to relate with others. I think it's very important what you said, cause I think context and listening can provide a lot of value both for you and for the other person. Um, maybe there's a day where you're like, oh, yo, this shit is whack. And then you hear me bitch and moan. You're like, damn, yo, fucking, I just got off the phone with Nick and he's in a worse spot than I am. So mm -hmm. maybe my shit isn't that bad. Um, you're also right in the sense that where, where you're from has everything to do with it. I mean, for, for me, the one thing I struggled with initially was, um, jiu-jitsu i fucking fell in love I, i'm in love with that thing man that's all bro i can't stress this enough i hate working out now like lifting i don't want to lift i don't want to squat i don't want to bench press I'll, I'll do some curls you know curls get the girls you know what i'm saying um 
but that's about it. I want to learn like a new skill, a martial art. And I feel like I've changed doing so. Like I feel more confident. Like I was already confident, but now I feel like even more like even keeled. I feel more calmer. I approach situations different, conversations different. Because, you know, if someone act up, they're getting put in a triangle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that really killed me at first, bro. I was like, fuck, dude, when am I going to be able to do this? Um, and I got, I got over it by just, I've ran a lot. I've ran 350 miles since April 1st. Um, miles. To me, it's a lot because I've never ran that much. So I'm doing, it averages out to about 20 miles a week, roughly. So I've been keeping busy, like running, you know, like I'll run to the bank and back. That's about three miles. Then I'll do like, you know, I, I ran 10 miles on Saturday. I just caught like runner's high after five miles and then I just kept going. So I think keeping yourself busy, right? I, I, I say this to people and they don't believe it because VM primarily is a sports show. But the best the show's ever done was during quarantine. There was no sports on for four months. <laughs> but it gave me the luxury to, like, do more interviews, more podcasts and chills, venture out, see what people like, see what people dislike. And you could just tell by the numbers. So it gave me a more definitive idea of what I want, what I always wanted this show to be like, and what it's becoming. So... That's how, that's how I overcame it. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys, thank you for the questions. Always a pleasure. Taryn, thanks for c coming on and sharing your thoughts as well. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? Uh, yeah, of course, man. It was a great time. Appreciate you having me. Um, it was an honor to be here for my first People's Pod. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at uh, Taryn Caravella, T-A-R-E-N-C-A-R-A-V-E-L-L-A. At the Lamb Show is where you can find me at Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping notes. There's not going to be a Twitch stream for DFS for those of you that tune in on Friday. I'm moving my Twitch stuff. There's literally nothing else in my room right now. Taryn can't see because it's pitch black because there's no lamp anywhere either. But I'm moving all that stuff on Saturday. And I'm spending the first night in my apartment tonight, which I'm super excited about. Yo, so, so next is next pod in the in the new. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, uh, awesome. the the next pod might not be like all lavish and recorded. We might just have to do FaceTime and record, you know, the the old school way. But yeah, next week there's gonna be a a guest coming in already, and it's gonna be lit. And that's when the YouTube's gonna start. That, that that's when it's gonna be takeover season, you know. We're not partaking no more. We're taking over, like Connor said. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you guys next You think you got it? I got it for real. You think you got what I got? You think you got it? I got it for real. This one for those they forget in my city. This dog off the leash and it's ready to kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let it drop and me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.